This is the Breath of Fresh Jets podcast with Charlie Badweeny. Saints to beat them. I picked the Packers to beat them, and I once again mistakenly picked the Chiefs to beat them. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ended up winning Super Bowl 55. The Bucks defense completely shut down the Chiefs offense, held them to zero touchdowns, only three field goals, and they would go on to win 31 to nine. Todd Bowles put together one of the greatest defensive game plans I've seen in a while to stop one of the most high-flying powerful offenses in football history and they completely shut down the Chiefs. Maybe that was part in part due to the Chiefs missing their both of their starting left tackle and right tackle had both backups in there, but Patrick Mahomes was running for his life all day long. He never had a chance to set his feet, make a throw, and every time he did make a throw, it would bounce right off his receiver's hands or even in some cases their face masks. He had no help that game. Super unfortunate to see, but there's no doubt in my mind that the Mahomes and the Chiefs will be back eventually into the Super Bowl. And uh, this one went to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady went on to win his seventh ring and fifth Super Bowl MVP, though I thought Devin White deserved uh, MVP a bit more than Brady did. That's, that's neither here nor there. What I really want to talk about with the Super Bowl is just how much of a mismatch it really was. And going into this game, I honestly thought the Chiefs were, were going to be going away with it. I thought they were just overall the better team. However, I think Mahomes is a little bit more hurt than everyone was letting on. I'm sure he'll be fine. He's getting uh, toe surgery this offseason. I think that was a bit of a factor that uh, no one really let on. But regardless, uh, did you see that, that throw Mahomes made when late in the uh, in the fourth quarter when they were it was really their final chance to get back into the game? He was just running for his life. He scrambled for over 500,000 or excuse me, 500 yards in the entire game, just running. But yeah, when he was getting wrapped up I think it was JPP trying to bring him down and he was literally horizontal to the ground and he flung it 30 yards and it bounced off of Darren uh Darren Williams's hands and you know but uh what are you gonna do Super Bowl I'm telling you the Chiefs will be back if not next year for the next however many years uh Mahomes is elite Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the Super Bowl champions of Super Bowl 55 and that is the 2020 NFL season not one game canceled, a uh, few postponements here and there, but uh, all in all, great job by the NFL for getting this season off and getting it done. Really glad we didn't miss anything uh, NFL-wise this year. Well, now I can stop talking about Tom Brady and his Super Bowls. We are officially into the NFL offseason, and we have some uh, some headlines from this, this uh, week. So in Jets news, they hired former kick returner and punt returner Leon Washington as an assistant special teams coach. If you, if you don't remember Leon Washington, he was uh, a great Jet from 2006 to 2009. He was our return man slash running back, and he was fantastic. We haven't had a guy like him since Joe McKnight, but an inter- interesting hire. Uh, I'm sure he's learned a lot from his days under Mike Westhoff, one of the greatest special team coaches of all time and former great Jets uh, special teams coach. But other than, other than that, let's get past the Jets news and head into some NFL news. So came out this week that... Russell Wilson might be a little unhappy with the Seattle Seahawks. He went on to the Dan Patrick show this past week to talk about his uh, his Walter Payton Man of the Year award, but Patrick asked him a few questions about the Seahawks and some rumors that have been coming out that the, the Seahawks were 
getting getting uh, trade calls from other teams around the league. Russ pretty much just said, you know, that's the that's the Seahawks' decision to make. But he would go on to talk about how he feels he's gotten hit too much throughout his entire career, which is it's it's actually accurate. Uh, Russell Wilson has been sacked 394 times in 144 regular season games, according to ESPN stats and information, and that's the most a player's first. Uh, that's the most in a player's first nine seasons since the uh, since the merger in 1970. Next is next uh, under him is Randall Cunningham at 366, which is a pretty crazy stat to think about. Just how elite of a talent Russell Wilson is, but he's right. I mean, the Seahawks have not been able to protect him his entire career, and. And he still has somehow not missed a game in his entire eight-year career, which is pretty impressive. But regardless, uh, I think this wasn't really more of a as much of a trade request as more it is. Hey guys, I'm right here. I'm a superstar, future Hall of Fame quarterback, and I need some help because I want to win some Super Bowls. So I think he's just trying to scare the Seahawks a little bit, trying to get them into making some more moves, dipping into some more money to uh, really put a better team around him, some better offensive linemen. But speaking of quarterbacks, it came out uh, day before the Super Bowl just about that uh, a Carson Wentz deal was uh, in the works. Howie Roseman has been looking for Matt Stafford-like compensation for Carson Wentz, which is, if you think about it, pretty ridiculous. If anything, if there's any sort of Matt Stafford-type deal going down with Wentz, he's the golf in the trade. He's he's the one who you have to attach the two first-round picks for to unload the contract because... The fact of the matter is Wentz hasn't played played good since the 2017 season before he tore that ACL, and it's uh, it's looking like he might be on the move, and Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy in Philadelphia. We'll see how that plays out. A golf, uh, excuse me, a Wentz deal has not been announced yet. Nothing's been, nothing's come out. But if uh, if if Wentz is to be dealt, I could see it going. I could see him going to a team like uh, maybe the Colts, where he can link up with Frank Reich again. Maybe. Maybe the Bears, who were in dire need of a quarterback fix, but I mean, you really want to go from one Philly quarterback to another. They already tried out the Nick Foles experiment; that didn't go too well. I don't know if the the Wentz Wentz experiment would would, would fare any better. But regardless, Wentz, I believe, will end up somewhere by the end of the season. If he's not going to be a starter next year, he he'll definitely be on another team, just not the Eagles. I think that relationship has been uh, has been ruined. Now, this isn't particularly Jets-related news but it does have some implications that I would like to relate back to the Jets. So Orlando Brown is the right tackle for the Ravens. And today on February 10th, he requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens. The reason why he requested a trade is because, so Orlando Brown's a right tackle. The, uh, the Ravens have a great left tackle in Ronnie Stanley. They just locked up like mid-season, right before he, he broke his ankle, like five years, 100 million. He's one of the best left tackles in the game. So... It was that was like mid-season, and when he when he was out for the season, they took they took Orlando Brown and moved him to left tackle, and that's where he played for the rest of the season. And he was fantastic at left tackle; he was lights out. He, the Ravens' run, run offense barely skipped a beat with uh, Ronnie Stanley being out. But now that the season's over and everyone's seen what Orlando Brown can do at left tackle, he requested a trade. He wants to go go somewhere and play left tackle. He wants left tackle money, left tackle recognition. And I want to relate this back to the Jets because this is why we can't draft Penny Sewell at number two. If we draft Penny Sewell at number two, we have two elite tackle prospects on the on the roster in Mackay Becton and Penny Sewell. One of them you got to move to right tackle. And in a few years, when it comes time to pay them, they're not going to accept right tackle money when they can go elsewhere and get left tackle money because the drop off between left and right tackle is significant. 
So this is where it gets important for for the for Jets fans who think we should draft Sewell. I'm telling you, in a few years, it just wouldn't work out. You're, you'd end up either having to trade one of them or pay pay two tackles top tier money. It's just it's not a good plan to build this roster out in full. It's just you're you're stocking up on assets that you already have. It's just not necessary. And as I was thinking about thinking about this more and more and how uh, a Penny Sewell draft would work. I started to think about how the entire this entire offseason for the Jets is going to look with uh, how much cap space we have, uh, all the impending uh, unrestricted free agents we have, the free agent market that is going to be there in March this year, and our, of course our, our current draft selections. So I actually, I actually worked out an entire mock offseason for the 2021 offseason, all the way from, uh, from, the, from the re-signing period to free agency to the draft and then I have a final roster of how the team could look going into 2021 so I see we start from the top and let's uh let's kick it off with how much cap space we the Jets are actually going to have heading into the 2021 offseason so right now the Jets have about have about 75 million dollars in cap space which is around uh top three in the league with the the Jaguars I think the Colts are up there as well off the bat, we can create $13 million in cap by cutting defensive end Henry Anderson and offensive guard Alex Lewis. Henry Anderson, was a, he was given that, that three-year, $27 million contract by McCagnan right before he was fired. Total waste of money. Barely plays. Uh, when he does play, he's a walking, roughing the passer. He's got to go. Easy $8 million right there off the table. Alex Lewis is not... Uh, He's not a bad guard by any means, but his payroll is just a little too high for the quality of play he displayed on the field this year before he was put on the, the non-football injury list. So five, you save $5 million in cap. I say that's pretty simple. So going into the re-signing period, we now have $88 million in cap after cuts. Now to keep in mind, $88 million is not an official number. Obviously, the Jets will be doing some other stuff. I'm not Joe Douglas, so $88 million is not an official number. Just, just putting that out there. All right, so now we have a long list of impending unrestricted free agents. I'm just going to go through the quick list. These are all a bunch of the no- notable guys. I left off a couple practice squad players, some, p- some players who didn't get any, a lot of playing time this past season. So we'll start with uh, Brashad Perriman. Brashad Perriman had a, had a weird year. He didn't play too much. He was injured. But when he did play, he had a few good games here and there. And then some games he was just completely invisible. I wouldn't bring him back as a starter. I think he can come back as kind of a... A depth role, uh, like a fourth or fifth receiver. If he comes back on his last year's salary, which is around one year, four million dollars, a little bit lower than what he did last year. But that's because you know he didn't play as well as he did as he did to cap off that 2019 season. I think he'd be a good fit in the Shanahan offense. He's a big body. He's fast. Uh, I think he could he, he could work well in the offense, and I think he's he's worth bringing back at that price. Next up is Brian Poole. Uh, I'm gonna let Poole walk. He's a slot corner. Not a too high value position. I think he's replaceable. We can find someone elsewhere. Bradley McDougald, who we got in the Jamal Adams trade from Seattle, let him walk. He didn't play much this year when he was invisible. Jordan Jenkins, walk. He signed a one-year prove-it deal last offseason to try and uh, up up his, his value, I guess, for this year's free agency. Didn't work out too well. He didn't play. He was injured. And when he did play, wasn't too great. So I say we let him walk unless he wants to come back again on, on the vet minimum. Uh, Neville Hewitt is someone I want to bring back. He's he's good. Uh, he's good linebacker insurance for if C.J. Mosley isn't good to go. He was a defensive leader last year. He called the defensive plays when on the field. I'd bring him back at if if he's available at this price, one year, three million. 
Another inside linebacker, Patrick Onuosor, uh, let him walk. He didn't play much last year, and when he did, he was on special teams. That's a no from me, dog. And then Marcus May, absolutely should be bringing him back. I gave him three years, $30 million. He's He's a little bit older for uh, his first free agency. He's 27, but I think three years, $30 million is fair, especially with the safety franchise tag is one year, $10 million this year. So I think that's a completely fair contract. I, I hope uh, Joe Douglas is able to bring him back at that. If not, maybe less. I'd be able to, I'd be willing to go a little bit more, but obviously Joe Douglas' decision, not mine. This is just what I brought him back at. Joe Flacco can walk. Uh, Mateus Farley, he's a special teams captain. Uh, I, I say let him walk. He's a little, little too old for me. Frank Gore will probably retire. That's a walk. Pat Elfline, I would bring him back if possible at two years, $7.5 million. He's a good backup option. I don't know. He played good down the stretch last year when the Jets brought him in off waivers. I think he's a good backup option. I would try and keep him around just as insurance in case one of our offensive linemen goes down next season. Arthur Millette, I would let walk. He was a practice squad signing from two years ago. He played okay. Nothing to warrant keeping him around. Terrell Basham's an outside linebacker. I'd bring him back on a one-year, $2.5 million deal. Uh, he was he he played good down the stretch in 2019 and 2020. I would, I would absolutely bring him back. Frankie Luvu, I'd let him walk. Uh, Harvey Lungi, who I think is a, a good player, and I think he should get another chance elsewhere. But our inside linebacker room is just too crowded with guys like C.J. Mosley. Uh, I brought back Neville Neville Hewitt, <clears throat> and uh, also Blake Cashman, who we'll see if he even makes the roster next year. And our last impending free agent is Vincent Smith. He was, he was our kick returner in 2019. We signed him off the Texans practice squad. He's a speedy guy, really good on special teams. He's a good kick returner. I would bring him back one year, two million, uh, if possible. You're listening to the Breath of Fresh Jets podcast with Charlie Badman. So after our resignings and letting people walk, we have about $62.8 million in cap space going into free agency. I think this is a pretty solid amount of money to go into free agency with. There's a lot of big names out there, and I think the guys I'm planning on bringing in will definitely help increase the talent on this Jets roster, which was totally uh, totally barren last last season. So our, 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 biggest, our two biggest fish off the bat, we have uh, center Corey Lindsley from the Packers and wide receiver Allen Robinson from the Chicago Bears. So Corey Lindsley, I would want to bring in on a three-year, $30 million deal. That's a $10 million cap hit in year one. Lindsley was fantastic for the Packers last offseason, or last, last this past season. He was, the I think, the highest-graded center pro football last season, and I think he would be a great addition to the, the Jets' offensive line. Now, I hear what you're saying, Charlie. We already have Connor McGovern, who didn't play terrible last year. He was pretty solid. But McGovern has the flexibility to play. You can kick him out to guard if, if not if, if he's not playing center, and I think that would be a, a better option for the Jets as he struggled at times last year. So Allen Robinson, we, we would bring in on a four-year, $80 million contract. That's a $20 million cap hit per year. I think Allen Robinson's one of the best receivers in the league. He's had the unfortunate luck of playing with Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, and Nick Foles the first few years of his career. So I think finally pairing him up with a, a decent quarterback would be perfect for him. And I think he, he's really attracted to the New York, uh, New York media market. Next up is Richard Sherman. 
cornerback slash safety. I, I, I said slash safety because I, I think Sherman is eventually going to be going to have to transition towards uh, more of a safety role. He's losing a bit of his speed at around 33, 32 years old, but I would bring him in on a one-year, $6 million contract. Next up is Kwan Williams, cornerback uh, from the San Francisco 49ers, one-year, $3 million deal. I think he will be Brian Poole's replacement as the slot corner. He played good in Sala's defense last year, and uh, it's definitely a good option, and I think he'll follow Sala over here to the Jets. And our last free agent signing is defensive end Kerry Hyder to, to a one-year, $5 million deal. Kerry Hyder had eight sacks last year, filling in for Nick Bosa after he went down with, with that ACL, playing in the defensive end spot in Sala's defense. And I think he'd be a, a good player to, to bring in and maybe not start, but let him teach the young guys how to play in Sala's system since he has the experience of it already. So after free agency, we now have $18.8 million entering the draft. And I know Joe, Joe Douglas likes to keep around a little nest egg of, of money just in case some players slip free and during training camp or get when we get closer to the actual season. So I say that's a solid amount of money to head into the draft with. Okay, so here we go. 2021 NFL Draft. Trevor Lawrence off the board at number one. The Jets are officially on the clock at number two. And eventually, their selection goes to Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Zach Wilson right now is consensus, I would say 75% of most draft analysts slash experts have Zach Wilson as QB2 in this draft in front of Justin Fields. Um, Zach Wilson is an uh, incredible prospect right now. He's, he's really gotten hot. He was, he was kind of under the radar in the 2019 season, but this year he really broke out, and it really shows uh, when you watch the tape, watch his games he's played this year. He's got great great athleticism. He can move around the pocket. He can get out when he wants to, make throws on the run, and his arm is absolutely incredible. He's accurate, and I, I think he is the, the answer for the Jet, Jets quarterback woes going into 2021. I'd take him over Justin Fields. I'll take him over Sam Darnold. The only person I wouldn't take him over is Deshaun Watson, but this uh, mock offseason is no Deshaun Watson trade. He's going to be staying in Houston in this this timeline, <laughs> if you want to call it that. But, yes, Zach Wilson is the pick at number two overall. I think he's a perfect fit in the Shanahan offense, and he will become a superstar just like that. So now with Zach Wilson as our quarterback, we still have an issue on our hands. We have Sam Darnold still on the roster, and this is where we make a little draft draft day trade, and we're going to send him to the Colts in exchange for their 21st pick in the first round, just flat up Samford number 21. So with that 21st pick, we're going to select cornerback J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. J.C. Horn started out as a slot corner. Uh, before starting to play out wide more in 2019 and this past season, 2020. And that is where he projects best in the NFL. Uh, he's long. He's got a, a little bit of a thick frame. And I think he's really going to be able to compete against those wide receiver ones in the NFL. He's got the size. He has the length. He has the physicality. And I think his uh, his coverage skills have, have gotten better each year since since he's, he's been on, on, on draft radars. And I think... The only uh, primary issues a lot of people see with his game is his tackling and his off-man coverage. And I think, of course, rookie corners, I, I would say cornerback is definitely the hardest position to transition to from college to the pros these days. And I think he'll have his rookie year lumps, but 
regardless, we need a we need a cornerback one of the future, and I think uh, J.C. Horn's our guy, and he will be the guy at number 21 in this scenario. So now with our third first-round pick of this draft, we're going to go with, at number 23 overall, Joseph Asai, who is a defensive end from Texas. He will be a perfect fit for the Jets. I think he'll be able to step into that role that Nick Bosa played in Salah's defense, that defensive end, nine-technique edge rusher. Um, and I think the most important part about getting a bona fide edge rusher, like someone who is there to rush the passer, is this This helps free up Quentin Williams, who was double teamed almost every snap he played last year. It'll, it'll really improve our pass rush as a team as a whole and open up some more, some more pass rushing lanes for, of course, guys like Quentin Williams, guys like John Franklin Myers, uh, Bryce Huff. I think it, it'll just completely change our pass game. And, it'll, and it, I think Joseph Asai is the edge rusher we've been looking for since Jonathan Abraham. Now, I'm not going to go uh, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. I'm, I'm not going to go that deep. I'm not bona fide uh, draft evaluator. I, I, I don't really know what to look for exactly in film. I'm just going off big boards and other players I've, I've seen uh, over the past college season and other mock drafts. But with, um, the, with the Jets' second round pick, it's basically a late first rounder. So I'm just going to throw out there Trey Smith, who is an offensive tackle out of Tennessee, uh, he projects to guard or tackle in the NFL, whatever he's going to be best at, whatever coaching staff decides best for him. But the, the interesting thing, the thing about Trey Smith is, obviously, uh, in 2018, the, the best offensive tackle in that draft was, Quentin, was uh, Quentin Nelson, who went six overall to the Colts in that draft. But that year, Trey Smith was OT2 as a freshman. He was the second best offensive lineman in, in college football that year. And unfortunately, in 2019, he almost had to had to quit football when he he had a, a medical emergency. He was having blood clots in his lungs, and he was unable to play this last year, or two years ago, excuse me. And he was able to come back this year and display once again why he's one of the top tackle prospects of the class. He is the definition of power. He's a mauler, a people mover, and I think that is perfect for the Shanahan run offense, where the offensive linemen have to get out and move and block out. You know, not just not just at the line of scrimmage, they have to get out a little bit. I think he'd be a great pick, and I think he projects perfectly to uh, to one of the guards on our roster, most definitely. And that's going to be the draft class for me. Uh, in the later rounds, I think we should definitely be targeting run, uh, another running back uh, for our, our, our running back rotation. Maybe a late round wide receiver and some lineback outside linebackers, maybe a safety, and I think we should definitely draft a kicker and with one of our sixth, seventh round picks. All right, so now that we have re-signing, free agency, and the draft all done, let's take a look at the 2021 New York Jets starting lineup. So on offense, we have quarterback Zach Wilson, uh, running back. Running back is going to be more of a committee, but I have Ty Johnson written down just because he fits that speedy, speedy back that fits the Shanahan offense. Wide receiver one is Allen Robinson. Wide receiver two is Denzel Mims, who I think will be great in the Shanahan offense. He's a he's a really good uh, uh, catch and catch and run receiver. He's got a big body. He'll be able to run guys over, kind of like Debo Samuel did for the 49ers the past few years. Slot wide receiver Jamison uh, Crowder. Starting tight end Chris Herndon. And for the newly revamped offensive line, we have Mackay Becton starting at left tackle, Connor McGovern getting kicked out to left guard, Corey Lindsley starting at center, rookie Trey Smith starting at right guard, and George Fan starting at right tackle. So for the defense, we have two defensive ends in Joseph Asai and John Franklin Myers, our two defensive tackles, Quinn Williams and Foldy Fatukasi. 
We have C.J. Mosley starting at inside linebacker. Bryce Huff and Terrell Basham with him on the outside. Uh, our two starting cornerbacks, J.C. Horn and Richard Sherman. Our slot cornerback replacing Brian Poole is Kaywon Williams. And our starting safeties, Ashton Davis and Marcus May. And I think this is a pretty solid roster heading into next season. I think that could easily compete for a wild card spot. Maybe even try and get, get with Buffalo up there in the division race, depending on how, how they fare in this upcoming offseason. That was my 2021 Jets mock offseason. I think I'm going to be doing more of these as we progress through the offseason. This is just a basic one. Once we go through uh, re-signing and cuts, I'm, I'll probably do another one. Once we go through free agency, I'll probably do another one. And once we do a draft, I'll take a look at what else the Jets can do with the roster moving forward. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to a Breath of Fresh Jets podcast with Charlie Badweenie.